0: Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the River Community Church podcast. If you want more information about the church or things that are going on, you can visit therivercc.com or you can check out our app at app.therivercc.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Steve Taboo. It might help if I actually turn the microphone on. Got a great audio team back there. Can we just thank them because they're always there? I tell you. I haven't appreciated them as much as I have just in the last two weeks. I haven't been here preaching. Uh, My father passed away and got to watch online with with my dad in in the final service he got to see. And I was just really grateful for you guys uh, that are back there and those that are doing the cameras. Uh, to get to have the online service. So I appreciate you guys. and Appreciate all y'all for all your prayers. I'll be sharing a little bit of that story uh, throughout the sermon today, just how God did such a beautiful work in my dad's life and the joy of that. Uh, we're gonna launch into the sermon, though, on counterculture. If you got your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 22. Uh, Matthew 22, we're doing a series called Counterculture. And we're looking at how the, the kingdom of God, the, the culture that Jesus taught, is different than the culture that we live in and we walk in. Now, all great leaders, if they want to lead you to a place, they've got to give you a picture, a vision of what that looks like. And Jesus gave us a vision of what God's plan was, and he called it the kingdom of God, the reign of God on earth as it would be in heaven. And he called that the kingdom of God. Uh, TJ did a good job last week, and... Alex the week before of helping us understand some of this kingdom of God. Today we're going to look at a story that he gives in response to the uh, Jewish leaders that were pushing against Jesus. They were pushing against him because he was bringing the kingdom of God to all people and they felt like they were the chosen ones and it was only them who would be the chosen ones. And so today we're going to see how Jesus lets us know that all are invited to the kingdom of God. Matthew 22, we're going to start in verse 1. If you want to read along with me, uh, if you don't have a Bible of your own, there's a burgundy Bible on the seat in front of you, and I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. It says, Jesus also told them other parables. He said, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. When the banquet was ready... He sent his servants to notify those who were invited, but they all refused to come. So he sent other servants to tell them, the feast has been prepared. The bulls and fattened calves have been killed and everything is ready. Come to the banquet. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited, but they all refused to come. So he sent other servants to tell them, the feast has been prepared. Oh, wait, I'm sorry, I read that twice. Sorry, skip down to verse five. But the guests he had invited ignored them and went their own way, one to his farm, another to his business. Others seized his messengers and insulted them and killed them. The king was furious, and he sent out his army to destroy the murderers and burn their town. And he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready, and the guests I invited aren't worthy of the honor. Now go to the street corners, invite everyone you see. So the servants brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike, and the banquet hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to meet the guest, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding feast. Friend, he asked, how is it that you're here without the wedding clothes? But the man had no reply. Then the king said to the aides, Bind his hands and feet and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask God to speak to us this morning. Lord, I thank you so much that you give us this imagery that we can better understand how your reign is, what it'll be like in heaven, and how it can be here on this earth. I pray, Lord, as I share that, Lord, you would just light a fire in and through me, and that we'd walk out of here just hungering more and more for your kingdom in our lives. Pray that in Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you got your listening guide, the thing they hand you when you come in the door, uh, the first thing I want you to see is that the kingdom of God is described as an awesome party, as an awesome party. What we read about, he called it the wedding feast of the king. So let's let's unwrap that a little bit. So this is the king who would have been in his story over a whole nation. So a lot of power and a lot of money. And his son, who would be the next king, is going to be getting married. And so the king throws a wedding feast for all the nation. Now first, he goes out and invites what would have been the lords and the leaders of the nation. And they were just too busy to come. They said, oh, we've got other things to do. We just bought a new piece of land. We just got, we've got to go do this. We've got to do that. And they refused to come. So then the king says, send out the invitation to everybody who will come. The invitations to all who will come. Now, this is a picture of God's first invitation to the Jewish people, okay, to come and follow and be the chosen people. And then as Christ is coming, he's saying, listen, The king sent out messengers, he sent out prophets to the the Jewish people, and you guys crushed them, you killed them, you rejected them, and they were all telling you about the Messiah, him, they're all inviting you to this feast, and you rejected them. And now, God is sending this good news, this invitation to the wedding feast, the kingdom of God, out to all mankind. Now, this would have made the Jews really upset if you go back to the previous chapter, He'd already made them upset because he told them that the kingdom is being pulled from them and given to the Gentiles, okay? And this is just one more explanation of the kingdom of God. Now, here's the beautiful part about this this kingdom of God. He could have described it as a work camp, right? He could have described it as a desert, but no, the kingdom of God is the place where the biggest feast they could imagine is what they would experience, The biggest feast and festival they would ever understand would be if the king threw a wedding party for his son who would be king. And it would be the biggest feast and festival they would remember their whole lives. It would only take place probably once in their life because of the the way the king passing it on to his son. And then maybe they would get it where that son, they get to go to one more feast as he passed it on to his son. But it was such a big deal that sometimes kings would have not just one day feast, but seven days, sometimes a month, to celebrate this amazing thing. And oftentimes, it was done between two nations, because the son would marry someone from another nation, the daughter of another king, in order to help build peace between those nations. So, that other king and that other leader would be invited to the feast as well. So, the king because he wants everybody to be there smelling good and looking good, gave free clothes out to everybody who came. They all got a new set of clothes to come to the party. Now, that would have been a really big deal back in those days because most people would have had two sets of clothes, right? The one they had on and the one they were cleaning. Everybody didn't have a new set of clothes. And because he invited everyone, that means peasants included, it may have been their first new set of clothes they've ever had in their life. So just let this just blow your mind for how countercultural this is. Because so many times in religious circles, we paint the kingdom of God as negative. We, we look at the, the difficulty of following Christ. And we, we look at how these monks in, in monasteries, they, they suffer and we sometimes can elevate them For their sacrifice of singleness and living alone and trying to just fast all the time. But that's not how he's describing the kingdom of God, is it? He's describing the kingdom of God as a place of feasting and celebration. Why? Because they're in the presence of the king. And the king has all the resources. And he's celebrating. And now this flies in the face. And it's countercultural to what I want to call a religious spirit. A religious spirit that tries to make it look like you are more like God when you're suffering. You're more like God when you're giving up everything. You're more like God when you're just sitting around with a a, a saddened face. You're more like God when you're there singing solemn, like a funeral dirge. And the picture he's giving is a feast and a festival. Now, he's going to balance that out in the end, okay? He's going to balance that out, but the picture is, he says, the kingdom of God is like a wedding feast. And so, I want to start by saying, I want you to know it's good to be in the house of the Lord. I want you to know it is good to celebrate and worship God. I want to set you free to sing from the tops of your, your lungs, to sing with all that you have, and to celebrate. I had somebody come one time and and uh, I think they were trying to insult me, but they said, you know, hey, great concert you had today. And at first I, I realized they were poking fun. And then I thought about it. I was like, man, what a compliment. People pay big money to go to concerts. Am I right? People pay big money to go and hear somebody sing and to, to sing their favorite songs along with Garth Brooks or whoever it is. And, and they're there singing along with them. It's a big deal, right? The difference in a concert and what we do on Sunday morning is what the attitude of the heart might be. I don't want to question anybody who's doing a concert, but I'll tell you the attitude of these folks that are singing on stage, they're doing it for the Lord. Uh, if, if you haven't met them and gotten to know them, one of the biggest things we've stressed all through the season of the church is that we're here to glorify God, not to glorify those who are on stage. And I, I feel like every week that's their heart, and I'm so grateful But it doesn't mean we shouldn't sing with the very best quality we can, and we shouldn't play the drums and the guitar with the very best quality that we can, and that we shouldn't enjoy the presence of the living God as we sing unto him. Because I got to tell you, when we get to heaven, man, the time of worship is going to be awesome. I mean, everybody will be on pitch, even me. I'm serious, it's gonna happen. There's nothing bad in heaven. God's gonna change my vocal cords somehow. I'm gonna sing on pitch. I might even get to lead worship one Sunday. You just wait and see. Because when we enter the kingdom of God, it's a time of celebration and feasting. Because God is good. And that Jesus would have flown in the face of what the religious leaders, the, the Pharisees, would have said what the kingdom of God was. They were very strict, very stodgy, very much concerned about keeping every little dot and tittle, but they missed. Jesus said this to them all the time, but you're missing the most important thing. That's love. It's love. So, kingdom of God is the greatest feast and festival. Second thing, God's plan to fill his kingdom is you and I. Look at this. In verse 3, and he sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast. Who's the servants? You and I. You and I are the servants. God is sending us. Now, in that time, he would have been talking about the prophets that went out to the Jews. But in today, you and I get to be the, the servants. We get to take this good news to all those that we're friends with and family with. We get to share the hope of Christ wherever we go. Now, the word is called evangelism. It just means sharing good news. And that's what Jesus called us to do, share the good news. What's the good news? Jesus has come, and the kingdom of God can be experienced on this earth as it is in heaven, as he says in Matthew 6. And we get the privilege to share that good news. Now, oftentimes, we're concerned and we're scared because as it says here, man, some of those servants got beat up, didn't they? Some got killed. And sometimes we get rejected. But you and I are his plan A. He doesn't have a plan B. You and I, we we must be the ones that are inviting to the celebration, inviting to the kingdom of God. We need to have spiritual conversations. If Christ truly is important in your life, We should talk about him as much as we talk about those other things we like, like college football kicked off, right? Pro football kicked off. A lot of us like to watch games. Got a good game. Your team lost. Your team won. It's a conversation point, right? Here's the thing. In our faith, our team always wins. So get as excited as you are about telling other people about the Lord and what he's done in your life as anything else that you have that new job, that new relationship, that that new friend. Christ is the constant that he continues the hope and the love that he has day in and day out. And the kingdom of God is there for us to know, to experience and enjoy. And we get to invite people to that. And obviously you're doing that because there's like almost no seats. I'm sitting here looking around going, Wow, we're getting squished. That's a good problem. By the way, there's, there's room in the first service and third. Those online, don't let that keep you away. Y'all come to first or third, okay? We got room. All right? Um, now, how will they hear? How will they hear if no one tells them? Look at Romans 10. Flip over to Romans chapter 10, uh, verses 12 to 15. This is the Apostle Paul kind of putting it in plain words. He says, Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all. If you got your Bibles, underline all. Gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on him, so underline everyone, you're getting the point, right? For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard of him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? How will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. Listen, ladies, I'm going to save you a boatload of money right now. You can quit getting pedicures and just have beautiful feet by telling people about Jesus. Jesus. Right, right. Oh, wait, I think we got somebody that owns a nail salon. Go, do a pedicure too, okay? Do, do both. The Bible says you have beautiful feet when you tell somebody the good news. What does that mean? That means when you share the good news, it is a good thing for you to be coming, to be coming to others. It is a good thing. And I will tell you, it was good news when someone shared with me about Jesus. Uh, as I did the funeral for my dad, I got to see some friends from when I grew up. Matter of fact, one of my best friends growing up, his mom came to the funeral. I think she was, I think she's like 82, 83, and she she made the effort to come. And another one of my best friends was there. His parents are both passed on. But both of those guys who came to my funeral were the ones that invited me to spend the night on Saturday night, and I had to go to church with them on Sunday night, on Sunday morning. They were a huge part of me hearing the good news Because as friends, they would invite me to youth group. They'd invite me to church. They'd invite me to know more about Jesus. And I learned from their families about the love of Christ. And I'm so grateful. What if they hadn't invited me? What if they had said, oh, we don't want to offend Steve. We don't want to tell him about Jesus. It might offend him. He might not want to play basketball with us again. No, one of my friends, his name is Mark. Mark was very vocal. About following Christ and about His relationship with Christ, and inviting me to youth group all the time. What if they had been silent? I would have missed out. My family would have missed out. I'm so glad they were, chose to tell me the good news. Well, Romans says, uh, bestowing His riches on all who call upon Him. I, remember, I had you underline all and everyone. I want you to know this. The good news is for everyone. It says there's no Jew or Gentile when it comes to salvation. All people are welcome in the family of God. Yesterday, I got to go down to the Fall Fun Fest. and We made animal balloons and did face painting. And if you didn't get to do that, man, you missed out on a joy. There are over 100 volunteers Friday night and all day Saturday. And, and I met people from New Jersey, from New York, from all over the country. We, we did a meet and greet this morning for first service and uh, tell you what I'm going to do. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, first and third service is small enough that I do an extrovert Sunday every other week. I've never done that here. Those watching online, you're going to check in, and I want you guys online to tell us where you're from so we know where everybody's watching from. Everybody else, stand up, and I want you to meet somebody. You don't have to walk around. Just turn to the people around and find out what state they're from. Somebody you don't know, take one minute. Ask them what state they're from. That's awesome. Wow. For those online, I don't know if you could hear it, but it was like a roar of everybody connecting and finding out where they're from. I hope y'all shared with us where you're from. Uh, Man, in in the first service, I had Indiana, Michigan, uh, Arizona, Crossville, Sparta, um, Iowa, North Dakota. I mean, like... Just in like 15 people, we had like nine different states. Isn't that awesome? The good news of Jesus is for everybody. It doesn't matter what state you're from, it doesn't matter what nation you're from. The good news of Jesus, the kingdom of God, is available to all who will call upon the name of the Lord. And that's a gift. That is counter cultural. We don't say us for and no more. The gates are wide open to the kingdom of God to all who will come to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And I'm just so grateful that he made that available. Now, we've got a problem in our church. I know people like to talk about their problems. we got problems, okay? Our problem is this. We've got too many kids. Y'all going to have to quit having babies, okay? I'm just tired of it. Just t- no, we don't have any place to put them. Okay, don't quit having babies, but we are going to build another building. I want you to know that. We just, we want to announce it today. Throw that picture up there. We've talked to an architect. We had a building team. We're going to add 18,000 square feet, all kid's face. Yeah. <laughs> well, don't get too happy. You got to pay for it. <laughs> uh, Uh, Well, we're going to trust God to pay for it, of course, Uh, but we've just been out of space for a while, and I hate building buildings. If you haven't been around here very long, uh, we usually get so squishy like this until we decide to build because we want to be good stewards with what the Lord's given us, and we'll make more announcements to you later, but the bottom line is we're going to add plenty of space for the kiddos so that we can continue to reach more kids for Jesus, okay? Okay. And that's what we got to keep doing. we got to keep making it available for all to come to know the Lord. Now, this is crazy. This is me bragging on God, not on us, because we've done nothing different over the last eight weeks. But about six weeks ago, we sent 100 people to launch a new church called Oaks Church. And since then, we've already grown another 100 people. I don't know how God did that, because we hadn't done anything different. Matter of fact, I've been gone most of that time. Yeah. That might be, maybe that's the solution. (laughs) Okay, strike that. Don't let the elders hear that. Okay. All right, number three, let's move on. Uh, Well, we learned about the kingdom. Proclaiming the kingdom requires sacrifice. This is the balance. We're inviting people to the feast. We're inviting them to the celebration, but it takes sacrifice. What did we read about these servants? What happened to them? Uh, Starting in verse five, it says, they paid no attention Let's see, where's verse 5? Yeah, but but the guests he had invited ignored them and went their own way. One to his farm, another to his business. Others seized the messengers and insulted them and killed them. So, it was a pretty tough job for the messengers. Uh, Some were seized, some were killed, some were made fun of. And I'll just tell you, if you follow Christ, there is sacrifice. When you put God first in your life, there'll be things he calls you to do that will cause you to have to sacrifice, to give, to serve, to announce, to share. There will be friends of yours that if you share with them about Jesus, they will shut you off. They will. Most of the time, it'll just be for a season. And then when they hit a hard spot, they'll remember you are the friend that loved them enough to share with them how they could find hope. I've had so many people that I've shared with through the years that didn't want to hear it at the time, but later on, I was the one they called when they said, man, my marriage is in the toilet. I see what you and Melissa have. Can you tell me the answer? I, I told this person one time, I said, it's Jesus. They said, I don't want to hear about Jesus. I said, I can't tell you the answer without Jesus. I said, he is the answer as to why my marriage is good. Because he speaks to us and gives us wisdom and knowledge. And when I'm a jerk, God convicts me and I apologize. And we love each other, but we love Christ even more than we love each other. And that's the reason we can serve each other with love unconditionally. It's not easy, but Christ already set the example. We have the example in Christ of what it means to sacrifice, we have the example in Christ of what it means to love. Please, 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 if you've never read the Bible from cover to cover, start with Matthew. Read the book of Matthew. Read the words of Christ and let them just permeate over you and convict you and instruct you. It is amazing when you get God's Word in your heart how it will give you direction for all area of your life. But you do need to know it's not always easy. I remember one time uh, <laughs> I planned to... Uh, a canoe party for my seniors, and we went on the party, and we all went canoeing. And that night, uh, we had a little bonfire, and then all of a sudden, everybody disappeared except me and one other guy. I'm like, "Where's everybody at?" Now, I planned the I planned the canoe trip. There were about twenty of us, and then all of a sudden, there's just two of us. And my buddy and I were like, "Where'd everybody go?" It's like a ghost town. Well, they had decided they wanted to go drinking, and I wasn't invited because they knew I had this new faith in Christ. And I wanted to be with them so bad. I didn't want to do what they are doing, but I just wanted to have those friends around me. And I felt left by the side of the road. You ever felt that? You know, when you try to do the right thing, and all of a sudden that means you're not invited to here, you're not invited to this event, you're not invited to this friend's birthday party, because they, they know you may not approve of what you're going to do. I've learned. Take that as an encouragement and a compliment that they respect you enough that they're not inviting you to that. When you can flip the the lid on that, you can see it through the eyes of the Lord. It's like, you know what? That's actually a positive thing. I didn't see it that way then. I crashed their party and ruined it for them. But anyway, that's, that's another story for another day. I've learned a thing or two. I just want you to know that it's worth whatever... Criticism, mockery, sacrifice you have to give to share the good news. Because when you see someone die with Christ, physically die with Christ, and the peace they have compared to when you see someone die without Christ, it is two different stories. And I guarantee you, you will never regret telling someone about Jesus as they enter into eternity. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27, gives us a passage where Paul tells how he, he chooses to sacrifice so that all can learn of the kingdom of God. In verse 24, he says, Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for the eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what I should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself will be disqualified. I love that. I run the race to win. I train my body for victory. Have you ever known anybody that trained for the Olympics I don't know if you have. Uh, I've known a couple folks, and it changes everything in their life, right? It changes their diet. It changes what time they get up. They have a system. It changes what they do all day long. Many of them have to be homeschooled because they have to spend so much time in training. And if you want to train for the Olympics, you better start young these days, right? They start training these kids at six years old, seven years old. And then if your son's really good, your daughter's really good, and they think you got a shot, they want you to move to the training center while your kid's like 12 years old, and their whole life is about focusing on trying to be this Olympic athlete. Why are they willing to sacrifice so much for a little round circle made of gold? What is that? God calls us to sacrifice not, as it says here, for the temporary prize that will go away, but for souls that will get to be in the kingdom of God forever. And and Paul challenges, we should discipline ourselves all the more in our faith. We should be intentional with others, sharing the hope of Christ. We should be intentional with our parents, our sisters, our children, our nieces, our nephews. We should be intentional Because at the end of the day, no one in eternity, no one in eternity will be there if they haven't yet found Christ. And that's the last thing. That's the the fourth point there. The kingdom of God is for all who surrender to Jesus. This verse 11 through 14 can almost sound harsh. So you got this big wedding feast, right? And then all of a sudden, there's one guy in there that doesn't have the wedding garment on. Let's pick up in verse 11. It says, But when the king came in to meet the guest, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for wedding. Friend, he asked, how is it that you're here without wedding clothes? The man had no reply. Then the king said to his aides, Bind his hands and feet. Throw him into the outer darkness. Will there be weeping and gnashing of teeth? For many are called, but few are chosen. Why would he do this? Why? Just because he had the wrong clothes? I mean, we talk about in our church, you know, doesn't matter what you wear, come as you are, right? You got, you got Chacos on, that's it. No more Chacos allowed at the river. You got Chacos, you're out of here. We wouldn't say that. Oh, you're wearing blue jeans, that's it. You don't have the right clothes on, you're out of here. We wouldn't say that. Why did he throw them out for having the wrong clothes? Here's why. Again, what Christ is saying is the king gave everybody a set of clothes to wear. A new set. It was a gift. So this man coming in, he saw everybody else. It will be just like being in here. And everybody got a brand new red suit or red dress on. And he walks in in a bright white outfit and just walks through. You think he noticed that he's the only one not in Not in the red outfit, of course he did. But he chose to reject the king's outfit because he didn't want to surrender to the king's will to be at the king's party. He wanted to do it his way. And we try to go to heaven our way, don't we? I hear people say all the time, well, as long as you're a good person, you'll go to heaven. No, you won't. That's not what the Bible says. Well, as long as you go to church, you'll go to heaven. No. You won't. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than standing in your garage makes you a Chevrolet, okay? It doesn't work. Following Christ means you're putting on the clothing God has given you, salvation in Jesus Christ. If you don't have salvation in Christ Jesus, you don't get to go to the feast. That's what he's telling the Jews. You guys, you are invited you were chosen, but not anymore. Now you've got to put on the new robe that the king is offering you. And it's free to everybody. Everybody's being invited, right? They went out to the highways and the byways. They invited everybody. But not everybody wanted to come. And then when the one man came and he didn't have the right clothes on, he was cast out where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Whew. The kingdom is for those who surrender. The kingdom is for those who are willing to put on the good news of Christ, the salvation of Christ. But it scares me because today in our culture, so many times we, we want to say, if you're a good person, you'll go to heaven. I hear this. I have people wanting me to preach their family members into heaven all the time. Well, he was a good person. He's a good person. And I'm sorry, but that's not the clothing he's asking for here. He's saying, through Christ alone is there salvation. And uh, this last verse is really almost problematic. It says, for many are called, but few are chosen. It's almost like, well, I thought everybody was invited. Everybody's invited. You learn that from the, the whole story he's giving from the whole parable, that they went and they invited everybody. But some will choose not to be. And the the Jews saw themselves as the chosen. And Jesus is letting them now know the chosen has changed. The chosen now are those who will follow me. Those who will follow this teaching. Now, to prove that, I put two passages down there. You You don't have to flip to them, but I wanted you to know that all are invited. So 1 Timothy 2, 3, and 4 says, This is good. And pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. So who does God want to be saved? Everyone. 2 Peter 3.9 says the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed but wants who to repent? Everyone. This good news is for Everyone. Everyone that you work with, all your co-workers, all your friends, all your family. Um, my dad was a good man. I did a graveside service for him on this past Thursday, just three days ago. Drove to Memphis where he lived most of his life. He was uh, he worked there, got two retirements, worked two different places. Several of his co-workers came to the graveside. Several of the, the guys that he he did a car show with and He was a car guy all his life. And one after the other, they kept saying, Man, your dad was a good man. Your dad was a good man. I loved working with your dad. He was a hard worker. He he was good to all of us. My dad was a good man. And I would agree with that. He was a fair man. He pushed doing to others as you'd have them doing to you. And he taught me so many things in my life taught me how to have a good work ethic, taught me how to have integrity told me how to treat others with respect, irregardless of their background or situation. But my dad never taught me faith because he did not have faith. I found out his dad never went to church with him, not once in his life. His mom took him some. And when he was a little kid, he professed and was baptized. But for the next 70 years, he, said, he told me, he said, we moved away and I never went, never went back to church only on occasion, and he didn't know Christ, and so as he began to to walk through life and raise his son, he didn't raise me any different than his dad did in the fact that he never took me to church. When I got saved, I began to have this burden to tell him, just like in the story, I wanted my dad to know Jesus, I wanted him to go to heaven, and for 32 years I prayed, and my kids prayed. And we would pray for Grandpa every night that Grandpa would find Jesus and know Jesus. And I'll never forget my daughter. Boy, I I won't, I have to admit, I may have set her up a little bit. But when my daughter Joy got saved, she got baptized. And I said, you need to tell Grandpa. And we walked in that door. And the first thing she did, said, Grandpa, guess what? I got baptized. And he said, well, that's good. She said, have you ever been baptized, Grandpa? I was like, ooh, now we're meddling. I mean, I I told my grandpa about the Lord, my dad about the Lord many times, but first time my kids had, had shared with the, with him about the Lord, and and we continued to to share with him and pray for him. And then two years ago, my dad was his his wife had died. He was living by himself. He is diabetic, and they found him on the floor, almost dead for the second time. They actually had to revive him. I got the phone call. He lived in Memphis. You got to come down. I came down, visited dad in the hospital. And uh, it was during COVID, so I only got 30 minutes. And so I said, Dad, you know, I'm here for you. What can I do? We talked. And then when time was getting short, I said, Dad, I just need to be real blunt for a minute. I said, I love you, but you're going to die. I said, you're 81 years old. You're going to die physically. I don't know if it's now or later, but I'm not worried about that. I said, I'm worried about your spiritual life, Dad. What is holding you back from giving your life to Jesus? He said, don't worry about me. I said, well, you gotta, you're going you're gonna to stand before the Lord soon. I said, and what are you going to do about coming home? I said, you can either go home and die, because you can't take care of yourself. I said, or you can go live with Deanna, my sister, in assisted living up there. Or you can maybe bring a, a nurse, nurse in seven days a week. I said, or you can come live with us in a in little apartment we've got in our house. I said, but you can't go back home. You'll die. He said, I'm going back home. I'm doing what I want to do. That's the way it's going to be. I left there brokenhearted and angry. I cried for probably hours as I drove from Memphis back to Cookville. Called my uncle, his brother, who had started walking with the Lord and said, Uncle Robert, I can't do it anymore. I can't pray anymore. I can't care anymore. I said, 32 years we prayed for Dad and we've seen nothing and uh, I was broken. I got home and uh, told my wife, and then the next day, my my sister had swapped off at the hospital with me. Next day, my sister called and said, Dad wants to tell you something. I said, what's that, Dad? He said, I'm gonna move in with you. Can you pick me up tomorrow? (laughs) I was like, what? (laughs) And my wife, I had it on speakerphone, and she didn't realize I'd invited him to live with us. So I think all the air got sucked out of the room at that moment. And uh, you have to understand, my dad had never visited me at my house in the 20 years we'd lived here. And uh, we'd go see him twice a year. And um, so for him to move up here was a shocker. But we made that commitment. Our life group, several from our life group and others in the church went down, packed him up. When we got here, they unloaded him. I didn't know this until the funeral last week. My sister said that a big part of what made a difference in his life was he kept asking her, why are these people that I've never met helping me? I don't know these people. and They're, they're unloading my, my stuff. Why are they doing that? And my sister, who became a Christian several years ago, said, Dad, that's, that's the love of God. That's Jesus in their heart. And it just, it just blew his mind. And we invited him to church, and he came, and he kept coming. And over the next two years, he never missed. Even when we were gone out of town, he came. That's when I knew something was going on in his life. <laughs> Began to see changes in his heart. And I asked him one night, I said, Dad, it seems like something's changed in your life. What's going on? And I said, Do you, do you believe in Jesus? He said, I do. I said, well, well, what's made the change? And he said, You know that little prayer card you passed out at church? on how to pray. He said, I've been praying through that every day. I was like, really? (laughs) He's like, yeah. He said, that's that's really helped. I said, that's awesome. Well, we carried on, and uh, he had another stroke just recently, and he went in that time, and uh, he told my sister, he said the biggest thing he was sad about was he missed church. He hadn't missed church in two years, and then he came home and I went down the stairs just about two weeks ago, maybe three now. Walked downstairs, and I heard him mumbling in bed. And I was like, oh, this is bad. He's mumbling out loud in bed. And uh, I said, Dad, you okay? He said, yeah. He said, I'm praying. I was like, really? Awesome. And I cheated a little bit. We have a little audio-video camera on him because he has a fall hazard. So I went upstairs and listened to the camera. Well, maybe it's cheating a little bit. And I got to hear him pray, Father, thank you for my family. Thank you for this home. Thank you for Jesus. Amen. I was like, okay, God, you are something else. Well, then Dad had a third stroke. Went in the hospital. Found out he was full of cancer. Sent him home with us on hospice. And uh, while he was on hospice, uh, he... He went down quickly. All day Saturday before he passed, he was he was out. Sunday morning, he was out. His eyes might be open, but he wasn't really there. And uh, then Sunday, we're watching. And this is why I'm so thankful to the team back here. We're watching the service online with my sister and my brother-in-law. And they announced communion. I was like, oh, I forgot it's communion Sunday. I pastor that church. I should know that. So... <laughs> I, I jumped up and I ran in the kitchen. and I grabbed some crackers and I grabbed some juice and I brought it back and uh, for my sister and my brother-in-law and me. And when I came in the door, my sister said, "Your dad wants to take communion too." I said, "What?" And my dad reached his hand up. Hadn't communicated in, in 36 hours. I gave him the the wafer, the, the cracker. We all took the bread. He took the juice. We all took the juice, and that was the last cognitive thing he did in his life. He went to be with the Lord two days later, and when he passed, the song that was playing on the thing uh, we had the uh, YouTube playing hymns because uh, that's what he grew up when he was a little kid, and the song that was playing was "It Is Well with My Soul." I'm just sorry. There is no such thing as coincidence. Those are all God'sidences. God works. In mysterious ways. And he wants you and I to be messengers of that good news. And I don't regret one time that my dad rebuffed me and told me I don't want to hear that. I don't regret the times I told him and he told me never bring that to him again. I don't regret going back again and again. Not for one second. Because he's changed my heart. Changed his heart changed family members' hearts, and given us a new life. I want to invite you today to, to stand with us. I, I don't know what God's doing. Maybe, maybe there's somebody on your heart that you've been praying for for 32 years, and you've given up, and you want to give up, and the Lord's saying, don't give up. And if you've never written their name on the stage, we write, we've been writing the names on stage of everybody we're praying for, and i got to tell you, it's pretty cool. i got a little asterisk next to my dad now. I'm putting an asterisk next to all those in my life that come to faith in Christ. He's got an asterisk. I'm like, yes, go Jesus, go. Maybe there's somebody's name you need to put on stage. Uh, maybe you just want to come pray over here to my left. There's some kneeling kneeling benches. You can just come here and pray. Just pray before the Lord. Call out. If you pray over here, nobody's going to pray with you, okay? Nobody's pray with you. This is for you and Jesus alone. If you want someone to pray with you, over here to my right, have pastors and leaders in the church that will lay their hands and say, how how can I pray for you? And they'll pray over you for whatever you ask. And in the back to my left is the prayer room and maybe you need to unpack something. There's something going on that you just need, need some extra time to talk to the Lord about and have somebody else encourage you and pray with you about. That's what the prayer room's for. Have a couple back there. They'll be glad to listen and pray. And then I'll be up front. And let me just ask you, do you know that when you die, you will enter the kingdom of heaven? Do you know? Because if you don't, I want you to know today before you leave. I want you to decide today that you you surrender. That you take on the clothing that the king has provided for you. He has provided the gift of salvation. But if you have any doubts, you need to come talk to somebody. Because the Lord doesn't want you to have any doubts. He wants you to know you're invited to the to the feast, and He's got clothes ready for you, and if you surrendered your life to Him, those are ready to go. I don't want you to have any doubts. So I'll be up front. Our team will be over here to the right. We'd love to talk with you and pray with you. If you don't feel led to come forward, you can sing along with Chris. He's going to sing, It Is Well With My Soul. And I hope and pray, It Is Well With Your Soul today. Feel free to sing, pray or come forward.